0: Okay, so, <laughs> so Joe, Joe made a slide for tonight, um, it's, but it won't be the one up the whole time because it will be very distracting to you. So Michael, do you have that one? Joe, do you, did you give that to Michael?
1: The funny one,
0: the one Joe did.
1: <laughs> you didn't get it at first, did you? No, well, I couldn't see it really well. I couldn't see it very well. Okay.
0: I like it. It's a stock photo. It? <laughs> it is lovely. It's a stock photo. Fo- no, it's lovely. I like it. the fastest man in the world running. Really? He's
2: fast. That's why he's fasting is because he's fast. Insane boat. Yeah, I know. they try to take a picture of him, and you can't
0: see him the mind at all. Okay, so now put the remedy slide back up until I'm ready for the other one because that one is cute, distracted. but, yeah. It's good job, it's good. So, okay, so, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Tuesday. By so, the
1: way, Sittner's going to be here next week. Really?
0: Sit
2: now,
0: yeah, Okay, so um, how many of you know what tomorrow is? Ash Wednesday. Yes. Do you know what, and what, it is Ash Wednesday, so when you see folks with ashes on their heads, you'll know why. Um, and what is Ash Wednesday? Start Lent. Oh, very good, very good. It's the technical start of Lent. Um, so tonight, uh, tonight is technically the night before the Lenten season begins. Um, so we talked about what the, what the Lenten season is. Um, it's the 40 days that precede Easter. Um, what's magic about 40 days? Yeah, not magic, but what's significant significant about forty days.
2: Jesus lived in the desert for forty days without
0: food or water. Okay. Well well close. Without food. Without food. Yes. So that's that's where we get the forty days of the Lenten season. So technically it begins tomorrow and goes through April April thirteenth, which is a Wednesday. But for me, um, I technically kind of like to back up 40 days before Easter and start it then, and um, which, would be when, then? which will be Saturday, okay? Because if you stop on April 13th, the 40 days, then you've got a few days to go, and it's like, what do I do now? And the reason is, is because I ordered you all this what? devotional.
2: So you
0: did not. I get out i did i did get out of town it's called once a day 40 days to easter i actually have done this before by zondervan i looked up the one i've done before that one was only 21 days it was three weeks before easter i really loved it it's um a daily devotional and it's pretty quick and i have one for each of you and so um yeah we will we will yes so um, so that's it. So why would we participate in it? Are we required to participate in the Lenten season as Christians? Are we required? Yes. Otherwise we'll, you know. <laughs> Otherwise we'll. What? I'm kidding. Okay, okay. Now, <laughs> now, um, there are some denominations, I believe, who do kind of require it. I know the Catholic Church observes it. Um some and I think so. Okay. It's not like an absolute must do this. It's just very, very strongly recommended. Strong, a strong suggestion. Okay. But for followers of Christ, this is why. Because Jesus sacrificed everything so that we might be saved. So Michael, we're ready for the slide. I know, the slide. This will be the slide that's up for the rest of the talk. Since Jesus sacrificed everything so that we might be saved, everything, and as we sang in Priest's song, I would... Do anything to know you? What should our response be to such a magnificent sacrifice? So tonight we're going to take a practical look at one of the possible responses to demonstrate our gratefulness for his sacrifice and our willingness to follow him, our willingness to follow him, also known as our obedience. So we're going to talk about sacrifice and fasting, we're going to do some thinking. We're going to do some soul searching. We're going to do some journaling on these papers, a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. So do you all have a writing utensil? OK. Um, and then we're going to end with a challenge. Oh my gosh. So get ready. So so there's really two kinds of sacrifice. The first kind is the sacrifice you make when you have little or no choice. You're kind of forced into it. And the second kind is the kind you willingly give up, and that is due to obedience. Here's a couple examples of each. So the first is my daughter-in-law, Carly. Uh, She's had a really, really tough couple of years. Um, Her daughter, Haley, their daughter, and my son, of course. My son had something to do with it. they, they just trust Jesus in everything they do. They're an amazingly godly couple, if I do say so myself. Um, so their daughter Haley is three now, but uh, she has terrible intestinal uh, disorder, and she's allergic to everything. And so uh, for the first couple years of her life, she could only have breast milk. So Carly was very limited on what she could eat. She could pretty much eat carrots, chicken, rice, and like avocado. I mean, that was it for like years. Um, As soon as um, Haley was weaned and was able to eat some food, her father, Carly's father, went into the final stages of Parkinson's disease. He had it It was really tough. It was a 10-year battle, and the last couple years were really, really brutal. And so her folks lived in Santa Maria, so she would go down to Santa Maria as often as she could to be with her folks. Um, She was a tomboy, and she was really close to her dad, so um, her dad went to be with Jesus last summer, and she has taken it very, very, very hard. Um, and now her grandma just passed away last month. So Carly is carrying the burden for her mom who lost her, her husband and her mom within a six-month period. And she's just really grieving, and she's, really, she's just really suffering through this sacrifice that was no fault of her own. Um, but she does it with joy and she just gives the glory to god and is just grateful for every day and she has that kind of outlook on the sacrifices she has to make um many of you remember woody and janet who remember woody and janet okay um they were remedy leaders along with us really really close friends of ours moved uh, back to florida a year and a half ago Six months ago um, Woody uh, was diagnosed not only with leukemia but with lymphoma and so um, his words to us were go big or go home Um, and he's big he's like six six so he's a really big guy Um, but his what we said how are you how are you doing and he said you know what, my only hope in this whole thing is to give God the glory, and I want everyone that sees what I'm going through to just um, be honored um, by God. I want to honor God in this. And at the same time, Janet is dealing with this back pain issue that they can't diagnose. She's been through every test, and at this point she just has to live with it. So both of them right now are going through a season of sacrifice of health issues. And I know some others in this room are too. And um, it's tough. It's tough. It's the kind of sacrifice that you don't choose. But still, we're called to go through it with joy, which is tough. Um, Again, it's a choice. So what I'd like you to do, your first journaling on your page, um, I'd like you to journal quickly. Take a couple of minutes here to, um, to uh, journal a sacrifice when it wasn't a choice. Um, this is just for you. You're not going to need to share this with anyone. Um, what was it, and did you do it with joy? Um, how did you handle it? So take a couple of minutes and, and think about a time. take just about one more minute here. Okay, the other kind of sacrifice. This is the obedience kind. So a couple examples of that. So I have a good friend at work. Um, she is the director of another department there. So she is my um, kind of peer, and uh, we, we kind of hold each other up. She's a strong Christian. She's about 50 years old. She's never been married. Recently she broke up with a man that she's been dating Uh, she was dating for a couple of years. Um, Does she love him? Yes. But she broke up with him because his first priority was not God. And she knew that she had, if she was going to have a life mate, that's what she needed. So um, was this a sacrifice? Absolutely. Um, Was she obedient? Absolutely. Is she sad? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but she's full of joy because she knows what that's what God wants her to do. So there's this difference between sadness and joy. Another uh, example is Derek. Um, I think he shared this before when he's taught. Um, when he was a missionary in Guinea-Bissau, he had his favorite computer game loaded on his computer. And on Saturdays, when he wasn't, doing translation, and when he had a little downtime, he, he he liked to play his video games. Um, but as he was praying, God started showing him that even though it was kind of his day off, although as a missionary, you never really have a day off, because <laughs> um, there's always a conk, conk at the door, and there's somebody there um, to come visit you. But um, he just felt that God really wanted him to give... That up, so he deleted it from his computer. So, was it a sacrifice? Absolutely. Did he do it with joy? He did. So, those are a couple examples of um, giving something or something up out of obedience because you know that God would want you to do that. So, now I want you to take a couple of minutes and um, journal. Um, when if you've ever given up or sacrificed something for Jesus in obedience something or someone um, in order um, to advance your personal spiritual journey with Jesus what was it and did it bring you joy just take a couple minutes again think about that Just one more minute. Okay, so sacrifice and fasting are both spiritual disciplines. Now I've taught on spiritual disciplines before, so we won't go at it, go into it in detail again. Um, but who can tell us what a spiritual discipline is? Okay, don't all talk at once. Anybody? So it can be described as a personal or corporate discipline or practice that promotes spiritual growth. So practicing spiritual disciplines is not one of Jesus' suggestions. It is a command. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So that's an imperative. Discipline yourself. Jesus. Timothy four, seven. Mm-hmm. Jesus knows that practice makes, makes perfect. So, what are some of the spiritual disciplines? Just toss a couple out. Anybody think of any? Prayer?
2: Reading your
0: Bible. Reading your Bible. Silence. Silence, yes. Giving. Giving. Worship. Worship. Taking. Mm
2: hmm.
0: Frugality. What? Frugality. Simplicity, yeah, um, submission, uh, solitude, journaling, fasting, sacrifice. Meditating
2: on the words.
0: Meditating, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: so meditating
0: on the Word. Um, Memorizing scripture. So now does a baby wake up one day and walk? When the day before he crawled, no, he takes one step, everybody claps, and he falls down. Then he takes two, then pretty soon he takes three tentative steps and reaches out, and his mommy grabs his hand. So when my kids were little, I can remember all of them at about a year old or whenever when they learned to walk, and that's all they wanted to do. I can remember we took our oldest two, to a movie, and Derek had just learned to walk. And I spent the entire time in the theater walking up and down the aisle with Derek for an hour when he was like this big because he just wanted to walk. He wanted to practice. No, that was a little, that was a little later. That was a little later. So as a new Christian, should we expect that one day we're going to wake up and be adept at spiritual walking? <laughs> Should we be able to pray with passion, love our enemy, be able to read the Bible and understand it, give a huge percentage of our income to the church, uh, fast once a week? No. Jesus knows we need practice. So I love the spiritual disciplines because I've been a Christian for 35 years. Um, I've been in ministry for 30, and I still need them. I still need them. And the need never stops. So we started talking about the spiritual discipline of sacrifice and we're going to come back to that. But let's talk for a minute about fasting and they go hand in hand. I see sacrifice and fasting as kind of two sides to the same spiritual discipline coin. I think that their similarities are more than their differences So fasting is mentioned in scripture more than baptism is. So it must be important. But few disciplines go so radically against the flesh and mainstream of culture as fasting does. How many people do you know that regularly fast? Okay. So how many sermons do you hear on the subject? Is it preached about in church?
2: About once a year, before Easter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe, typically not. So I will confess to you while while I have fasted in the past, um, I I haven't done it regularly, but preparing for this lesson has inspired me. And every year at this time, it inspires me again, and and I I go again. Um, So how many of you have fasted before? Okay, good, okay. So what is this thing called fasting? One definition might be a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual reasons. Uh, This appears to be the biblical definition, as the Bible seems to refer to fasting in terms of the primary sense Um, abstinence from food but however another definition comes from foster in this book celebration of discipline and he's talking about several of the spiritual disciplines in here and he calls it the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity so either way it's a voluntary denial or abstinence from something So we can think of fasting as a denial of food and sacrifice as a denial of something else. So what does Jesus have to say about it? Who will get Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and then 16 through 18 and read it for us? You can all turn there, but if someone could read that for us.
2: Voluntary voluntary denial of something.
0: Of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity.
2: I got six, 16 through 18.
0: Okay. Okay. I can take one through six. Cool. Okay.
2: when you pray you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men assuredly i say to you they have their reward but you when you pray go to your room and when you have shut your door pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly okay and now 16 through
0: 18 yes Oh, oops. Okay.
2: Okay. Who has 16 18? When you fast, do not look so- somber at the hypocrite's
0: stew, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash sh- your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay. Okay. So, so what stands out here is positioning. It's as if there's an almost unconscious assumption that giving, praying, and fasting are all part of the Christian walk. So what is the first phrase in these these passages? When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Also, this is used later in the passage as well, when you fast. So Jesus assumes we are fasting. Since he assumes that, his intent is to give us the proper instruction. About fasting when we fast. He's not commanding that we do it because he's assuming that we're already doing it. So, the ending instructions for fasting are the same as they are for giving and praying do it in secret. Then, your Father, who sees what you're doing in secret, will reward you. So, there's a promised blessing here the reward of the Father. Do we want that blessing? then it sounds like that we must fast as well as giving and praying. So the second passage we're going to look at comes in response to a question by the disciples of John the Baptist. Both John's disciples and the Pharisees fasted and asked Jesus why his disciples did not. Who has Matthew 9.15? Can someone get that one? Oh, shoot. she'll bring it to
1: you. Um Jesus answered, "How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast."
0: Ah. ah. Hmm. Hmm, what's going on here? So with the coming of Jesus, a new day had dawned. The kingdom of God had come among them in present power. The bridegroom was in their midst. It was a time of feasting, not fasting. There would come a time for Jesus' disciples to fast, although not in the old order. Jesus came to bring freedom from the old law. And this is very, very important in all aspects of the New Testament uh, law. No longer do the followers of Jesus need to calculate the least amount They need to give or pray or love or forgive or fast, but they're free to follow the promptings of their heart. They're free to listen to Jesus and have a personal covenant with him as he gives them instruction, and he will tell you how much he wants you to do these things. There's no definite requirement anymore. So are we required to fast? Well, does Jesus expect that we will fast? So if it's his expectation, then it's our call to obedience. There's that obedience word again, which is something that we need to do as followers of Christ. So what are the different kinds of fasts examined in the Bible? The first one is a normal fast. That's abstaining from all food but not water. So Matthew 4.2 says after fasting 40 days and nights, Jesus was hungry. The human body typically can't function more than three days without water, so it's assumed here that Jesus drank water because he was just hungry. Luke 4.2 says he ate nothing during those days. Then there's a partial fast, which is a limitation of diet, but not abstinence from all food. So in Daniel 1.12, uh, this is when Daniel, um, for 10 days and along with three other men, they only had vegetables to eat and water to drink. Later in Daniel 10.3, we see that another fast was extended to 21 days in which Daniel says, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth nor did I anoint myself at all. (coughs) Because Daniel and his friends were in the court, and they were being rained on with all these delicacies, and they said, no, we're following our God, and we're going to abstain from these things. We're not going to follow that. So this is now the popular Daniel diet. Have you guys heard of that? It's been around for a few years now, Rick Warren. Um, Developed this diet because he was a little portly. Um, he was a little portly, and he said, "You know what? Um, I am not disciplined. I'm not disciplined in my life." And so he started doing this diet, and I think half half the people in his church went along with him and lost a lot of weight and got real disciplined. And there's a huge um, there's a huge movement on it. I looked at the website, and it's just very extensive tons of resources and stuff you can do so anyway (coughs) then there's the absolute fast okay this is the avoidance of all food and water and we see examples of this in scripture several times for just a three-day period because again the human body really can't exist um, if it goes more than three days without water so when Esther requested that the Jews fast and pray on her behalf, she said, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. Can you think of another example where someone fasted for three, three days without taking in any food and water? It's in Acts. It's a guy named Paul. So, yeah, that was um, after Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Scripture also talks about a lot of different kinds of fasts. There's supernatural fasts, national fasts, occasional fasts, regular fasts. There's a whole lot of different kinds, but those, those are the main ones. So now, what are the purposes of fasting or sacrificing? What are the purposes? To seek God's guidance, this is to more clearly discern the will of God. So I want to tell you about a time right after Randall went into full-time ministry. Um, He had a clear calling to go into full-time ministry, and he wasn't quite sure exactly what God wanted him to do. So he went away for three days and fasted for three days to just seek what God would have for him. And I was all excited. When he got back, I said, okay, so what did God tell you to do? Do you remember? What was it? Randall, what did God tell you to do?
2: Give him the microphone.
0: That's okay. I'll repeat it.
2: Uh, yeah. Basically.
0: Here, no, it's okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I fasted for three days, and it was... Uh, I guess a normal fast, because I, I didn't eat, but I did have water.
1: Um, and uh, what he, I, I expected all kinds of things to, to come to me. And basically, he, he just said uh, uh, he wanted me to draw closer to him, get to know him, have a more intimate um, time with him, and uh, basically um, do some spiritual disciplines that I wasn't doing.
2: So I did. So,
0: so I was kind of bummed because I was all excited. I thought God would tell him what he was supposed to do. <laughs> That's not what happened. So, so there's, another, there's another purpose to express grief. Um, it can be grief over a death, grief over your sins, or another sins. Fasting can communicate the grief and confession that words cannot. Another is to seek deliverance or protection uh, from enemies or circumstances. Another is to express repentance and a return to God. This is taking the expression of grief a little further. Uh, It's the promise of a commitment to obedience in a new direction. This is my favorite, I think, to humble oneself before God. Um, if you're going through a period where you're kind of feeling that you want to be in control, if you're going through some pride issues, anything like that, um, fasting fasting is a really good way to get in check with that and really realize who should be on the throne of your life.
2: What was the one before that?
0: Express yes. repentance and a return to God, maybe after a period of falling away. Uh, to minister to the needs of others, Uh, perhaps fasting one meal a week and devoting that time to ministry or fasting one meal a week and donating the money you would spend on that meal um, to a cause you believe in or to a ministry. To overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God. So in times of exceptional temptation, ex- sometimes exceptional measures are warranted. So if you're having tough time uh, breaking a sin that's controlling you, um, fast about it. Fast about it, and God, God will totally help you go through it. And lastly, um, just to, to express love and worship to God. Because your fast is a privilege, not an obligation. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's something you get to do to draw draw you closer to God. And again, a fast doesn't have to be for three days. It doesn't have to be for 40 days. Um, it doesn't even have to be for a day. It can be for a meal or two meals or, or um or anything like that it's just, it's just it's just it's a sacrifice you decide on with God so there's a couple crucial aspects to keep in mind when fasting first of all it must be centered on God alone centering on God has to be the primary purpose of your fast um, you could you might get physical benefits uh, success in prayer, spiritual insights, receiving the Spirit's power, all sorts of other things may come along uh, with what fasting brings to you. But your primary desire needs to be to connect with God, to grow closer to God, to, to seek God's guidance. Any of those things we mentioned before, it's got to be God-centered. Some people fast um, for losing weight. You know, but, but a spiritual fast is different. Also, fasting and sacrificing reveal the things that control us. This one is really, really important, I think. More than any other spiritual discipline, fasting and sacrifice reveal those things that control us. We cover up what's inside um, with food and other good things that we might like to do. But in fasting and sacrifice, those things surface, and when they're brought to the surface, God will come in and partner with us so that we can deal with those things together with Him. Another thing is fasting and sacrifice keep us uh, balanced in our life. One Corinthians six twelve says, "I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything." but I will not be mastered by anything. Foster says in this book, and I love this, our human cravings and desires are like rivers that tend to overflow their banks. Fasting and sacrificing helps keep them in their proper channels. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, I love that because... um, Our human cravings and desires are like rivers that tend to overflow their banks. So we need something to keep those in check. And also, discipline brings freedom. Freedom to love Christ the way he expects us to love him, by being a true follower of him and being obedient. And so, now we're going to talk about the challenge. So, as in any journey uh, things take a while, right? So becoming disciplined takes practice, and practice has to span enough time to become good at something. So, um, Parisa, um, as an example, probably didn't pick up a guitar one day, and she was awesome at it. I imagine there was a little practice. Minoza, also, an excellent guitar player as well. And Andrew, who isn't here tonight. And we've known another excellent guitar player, Jonathan. Uh, It it takes practice, right? Do you practice? I know Minoza practices because uh, he used to live with us, and we would be blessed with hearing him worship in the mornings when he woke up. up I know. (laughs) So our walk with Christ is also a journey, and it takes practice. Like any relationship, it takes intentional time. So I want you to listen to one man's account of fasting, his fasting journey. He committed a fast one day a week for two years. Pay attention to the progression in time to the um, superficial aspects toward those deeper rewards. Number one, I felt it a great accomplishment to go a whole day without food. Congratulated myself on the fact that I found it so easy. Two, began to see that the above was hardly the goal of fasting. Was helped in this by beginning to feel hunger. Number three, began to relate the food fast to other areas of my life where I was more compulsive. I did not have to have a seat on the bus to be contented or to be cool in the summer or warm when it was cold. Number four, reflected more on Christ's suffering and the suffering of those who are hungry or who have hungry babies. Number five, six months after beginning the fast discipline, I began to see why a two-year period was suggested. The experience changes along the way. Hunger on fast days became acute and the temptation to eat stronger than ever. For the first time, I was using the day to find God's will for my life. Began to think about what it meant to surrender one's life. And lastly, I now know that prayer and fasting must be intricately bound together. Wow. There is no other way, and yet that way is not yet combined in me. So... Even fasting is a journey. He did
2: that one day, for week, for a year? Fast. Two
0: years he committed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So here's my challenge to each of you. A little background. First, I go through a devotional at Christmas, which is the same little devotional, And I started, I think it starts about a month before Christmas. And there's a passage every day that prepares my heart for leading up to Christmas, celebrating the birth of Christ. Um, It's been really powerful for me. I find I need it every year because everybody, we all get caught up in all the Christmas stuff, the decorations and all those things that go along with it and having to buy gifts and all that. I find I need more than ever to be really, really grounded in the season and what it means. And so, for the past several years, I've taken the challenge that I'm about to offer to you. Maybe some of you have done it before. Remedy has done it before. So, um, here's the challenge. The first part of the challenge is to read the devotional every day. It's short. And see how God prepares your heart for Easter. Jesus' death and resurrection and his his 40 days leading up to Easter. I'm going to read the introduction to give you a flavor of the power of this little daily devotional. This is the introduction. Isaiah 57 or 53.7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Kind of similar to what we have up here. In his incarnation, Christ was made in human likeness, Philippians 2.7. He was a man, but more than a man. He was a servant, but more than a servant. His true glory was veiled in the weakness of his humanity. The king of the universe, the Lord of glory, voluntarily became a pauper for our sake. He had to borrow a place to be born, a boat to preach from, a place to sleep, a donkey to ride upon, an upper room to use for the Last Supper, and he even had to borrow a tomb in which to be buried. He created the world, but the world did not know him. He was insulted, humiliated, and rejected by the people he made, yet he loved them even to the end, submitting to an agonizing and ignominious which means causing public disgrace or shame, an agonizing and shameful death. Cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole, says Galatians 3.13. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. There's that word again. Jesus was obedient to death, even death on a cross, And that's why we need to be obedient. It has been observed that only a divine being can accept death as obedience. For ordinary people, it's a necessity. Our Lord came to do the will of his Father, and that obedience required a sacrifice. It was because of this obedience that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's Hebrews 10.10. Jesus was able to endure the pain and shame of the cross because of the joy set before him. And so that's why we talked earlier about sacrifice and and sacrificing with joy. Easter begins at Christmas. Have you ever thought about that? It's really one long progression from Christmas to Easter. Joy to the world For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Away in a manger, silent night, this is where it begins. And yet we know the rest of the story. The baby was born for one primary purpose, to die. So that's the beginning of this devotional. So the second part of the challenge tonight is a sacrifice. So I'm challenging you to sacrifice something, to be united with him in his magnificent sacrifice with our little one that we give back to him. And ask God what he wants you to sacrifice for 40 days until the day we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. If you do accept this challenge, um, it should be the first thing that comes to your mind when you pray about it. And when we're done with this, I'm going to give you some time to do that. Um, The first thing that comes to your mind, because God's going to tell you what what he thinks you should give up. Also, it should be one thing or a combination of like things. There's probably one thing. There's probably one thing that you can sacrifice that will do the trick. Typically, there is that one thing, and we all know what that one thing is for, our, for ourselves. And it can, but it doesn't have to be private. Uh, this is definitely something between you and Jesus. It's definitely something that you, are, you can definitely share with people if, or one person if you want to be held accountable to it, but it does not have to be. Um, this is a very intimate, private thing with you and Jesus, and it can be that. So um, I'm going to read you, if I can get through it without crying, um, a devotional I wrote after my very first experience with this thing a few years ago. Um, so we're going to end in prayer, and then we're going to go right into a time of prayer for you, um, where um, you'll you'll look at your journal. The last page is your journal um after you pray you'll um take this challenge you'll the, f- the the first challenge is to commit to doing this devotional every day of course if you skip a day you can also do, always do two the next day but it's a 40-day commitment to spend this time really focusing on what jesus did for us um, and the second will be whether you want to commit to the challenge of a sacrifice for 40 days and it will be totally up to you. I'm not going to ask you if you did it. Um, it's, it's really up to you. Um, and so I want to read you um, my experience the first time I did this. We had returned from Africa just two days before we had gone to visit Derek um, in Guinea-Bissau. And I was still reeling from the experiences of the trip. It was then that I learned of the challenge. While we were gone, Ashley challenged everybody to do this thing, and she had been teaching on it. When we got back, here it was. And the day we got back, it was supposed to start that day. So I actually thought twice about accepting it. Did I really want to do this? No, not really, but how could I not when Remedy was embracing it? I felt I must, so I did. The first thing that came to my mind to sacrifice gave me pause no not that 40 days maybe there was something less well less important to me that I could give up and in the next inward breath forgive me Lord that after all is the point isn't it so immediately upon my decision the thing became larger than life more on my mind than it had ever been before the first few days, as I started this challenge, when it came to mind, I concentrated on Jesus' sacrifice in the 40 days leading to the cross. And I would be ashamed. He endured each day leading up to those final days with such amazing sacrificial love. And here I was struggling with this little sacrifice. Forgive me, Lord. I don't understand this struggle. What is going on? One week in, rebellion, remorse. I realized that this was going to be a journey. This was bigger than it. This was not about it at all. This was about my heart. Forgive me, Lord. Help me fix my heart. So each day thereafter, Jesus worked on my heart. So many emotions, so many thoughts. I was realizing that a thing that we do, eat, drink, watch, fill in the blank, may not be bad or wrong in itself. But if we look to it to relax, relieve stress, enjoy a moment more, fill in the blank, then that it replaces Jesus in our heart, an idol. I'm learning, Lord. So daily quiet time, daily acts of service, daily sacrifice. The days passed, and each day Jesus was drawing closer to the cross, his ultimate sacrifice, and I was drawing closer to him. I was more aware than I've ever been. Ten more days to the cross. Nine now. Eight, the faithful last week. Oh, Jesus, how could you endure it? Agony for him, knowing. And my little sacrifice was becoming a joy, an offering lovingly laid at his feet each day. I love you so much, Lord. Friday, I died with him. Saturday, I waited expectantly. And Sunday, celebration. Oh, happy, blessed day. Jesus, your sacrifice is complete. And the thing, well, I find that when I search my heart, it doesn't seem important anymore. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Sorry, guys. I prayed about not crying, <laughs> but it didn't work. So, Okay, so I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray and see what God wants you to do. Michael, can you grab a song? Bring your paper, Grant. Bring your paper. Go there. No, with Rand. It's Rand. He's going to talk you through that. Jesus, you are a beautiful God. Um, we just, we just humbly offer ourselves to you. Just overwhelmed with the amazing sacrifice. we describe it, how can we, how can we even think on it without being overwhelmed? So Jesus, I just um, lift up each person here and and pray that you would bless them, bless them during this Lenten season as they look to you um, and love you more each day. We honor you with our lives, Jesus, and we are so so blessed and privileged to be able to do that. We thank you for it all. In your precious name. Amen. Okay. Anthony. Yes. Uh, if Grant's okay
1: with it, I want do you mind telling everybody what you don't want?